guys, you and you and Grant have, have talked about this ad nauseum about I, that's what I always forget. 2020 just seems to kind of be a blur. I don't really, we all want to repress the memory of that year, so. It is a wound that I don't think will heal for a very long time, so. And with that, we are underway here at the Dummy Run Podcast, a Minnesota United-leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Alistair Kraken, and this week we got something a little different for you. Grant is gone. Up north. Up to Deer Hill, if you will. Him and the wife, up at the cabin, they got their feet up for a little R&R, both the rest and relaxation, and the whiskey. So this week, you're stuck with me. But hold up. I know. Hold up. Hear me out. I know no one wants that. So I've hand-selected, hand-chosen, two hosts, which are going to make this whole thing work out. First... Rob is going to be my co-host as we talk through the last three matches, what we're looking at for Wednesday, and what we're looking at for the playoffs. I'm sure you've seen Rob in the Thunderwall, if not your favorite jazz quartet, and we're going to take a look at all things Minnesota United, just like I would with Grant. Then, we're going to take a quick jaunt up north, and we're going to talk to a Vancouver Whitecaps supporter. Christian's going to talk us through how their season's gone, how he's feeling about Wednesday, and how he's feeling about the playoffs. From there, we're going to tie a bow on this thing with a little fantasy soccer talk, Talk about the playoffs, fantasy that is, and then we're going to wrap it up. It'll be a quick uh, quick hour 20, no more. All right? It's going to fly by. Stick with us. We're going to start with Rob. All right, and as promised, we're starting with Rob, a.k.a. Matty Mouse Drum, a.k.a. Lawrence Colorado, a.k.a. the newlywed... AKA oh, Mr. You. Thunderwall. Uh, what am I missing here? Uh, that is quite the uh, the list of titles. So I, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Where? What is Lawrence, Colorado? I don't know if I've ever asked you that. That used to be your your Instagram handle, or it used to be something. Yeah. So, like you know, uh, you know Turbo. Oh yeah. Obviously. So his his moniker as a solo artist was always Kid Michigan because he's from Midland, Michigan, and he'll point to the to his hand to show you where that is. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. My middle name's Lawrence, and so I was, you know I'm from Colorado, and so I kind of just stole it from him. That's kind of the long and short. Well, there you go, Lawrence, Colorado. I've, now I know the backstory. It's wordy though, but <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, it's got at least it's got meaning to it, which is all we can ever ask for, really. Right. All right, so thank you for agreeing to hop on and be a co-host with me as we, uh, as as Grant, you know, took the week off and is somewhere up north with his feet up, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> it's been a week, you know. We we didn't record last week, so it's been three matches since you know the Dummy Run podcast has recorded an episode. In that time, there was three matches, seven points of those three matches. Rob, I want to get your opinion. Going in, did you expect those results, or did that come as a surprise to you? So, I'm assuming by three matches you mean uh, Austin, Philly, LAFC? That's correct, yep. I was expecting us to beat Austin, because we've played them fairly well this season, and they're not that good. Um, you know, the last the last two meetings I have the schedule up in front of me, we have... You know, we we beat them one to nothing in May, and then we beat them again in June two nothing. So, you know, going in going in goals ahead is always good against Austin and an expansion team. So I was expecting a win uh, from that match, even with 
I don't know. I guess it's a standard lineup, but even then you can't expect anything in MLS. So I expected a win um, against Colorado. Or I guess we, we already talked about that. Never mind. Against Philly, I expected we would lose because Philly has historically played us very well. But that was a that was a fantastic match. Although, uh, what's that guy's name? Gazdag. He he really rinsed us out. So. I was expecting Philly to be, you know, they're a strong team. I was expecting them to play well. I didn't, I wasn't expecting to beat them. And when I heard that Vela and Atuesta were out for LA and granted, I didn't watch that. I did watch the extended highlights. I didn't see the entire match because I was at my wedding. It's um, a good reason. It's a good reason. One to one seemed fair against them. I mean, you know that I, I will always take an opportunity to undermine LAFC because I think they get a lot more credit than they deserve. But also, they're also a they're a pretty good team, um, and especially with Metinair out, I kind of figured, you know, the tables were a little bit more level than than if they had were if we had a a full strength lineup with them missing those two players. I think we probably could have pulled out. Not saying that Metinair was going to win that match for us, but it's always better when you have you know the the full the full stack. So I'd say it was fair. I would have liked to I'd like to see them win that match, and I think based on the chances that we got in especially in the second half i mean that one could have been put away by either side honestly it was really it was mistakes it was mental errors that that drew that drew that match for sure yeah robin lude had a chance uh where he it was it was a through ball that he picked up kind of first time and i believe it hit off the outside of the post and went out Mm -hmm. but at the same time it it very early on felt uh grant was there and we, we were standing next to each other watching and i said man i don't I don't think we got more than one goal in us. You know, just the whole second half, it felt like we were going to get one, but it just never felt like we were going to get two. And, you know, the Metinair thing is interesting. He's, the, the stats of, of our wins over replacement or goals over replacement, whatever they use when you talk about, you know, players being out. Uh, Metinair is, is is at the top of our list, I believe, and, and near the top of the league. I think it was Andy or, or Stefan or uh, Steven, someone who, who pointed that out rest recently. And I think mm-hmm. that says more about just our, our backup in terms of Metinair and, and less about what he brings. Because he is, I mean, he's obviously an ML, MLS all-star. He does a lot for the team. It feels like he does more offensively than defensively. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely we, we definitely missed him, and I don't think anyone would argue that. No, and, and, and now, you know, we don't have to get into the weeds on Metinair, but... You know, in, lo- in lots of other sports, we always you know, talk about the eye test because, you know, defensive players don't get to have goals and stats like that that we can judge a player on. You really have to watch them play. And I've, you know, I've watched many, many games with you and, and many of our friends. And it's it's unanimous that everyone mostly agrees when, when Roman is on the pitch, he is by far the best player on the pitch, generally speaking. So I would agree that it's not a, an immediate impact, but you definitely notice when he's not there. That's how I felt about Jan, like the last two seasons. It's it's not really noticeable when he's on the field, but when he's not, you you definitely feel it. So, but other than that, no, I I I think you know a, two wins and a draw. That's, that's pretty good, man. Like, when are you not going to take that out of three any given three matches? Right. Yeah. I mean, especially coming down the stretch here. Uh, so with Metinair out, we saw something that Grant and I have talked about a lot, and I think we're we're pretty solidified in our feeling. We saw Dotson going to the right back. Uh, now DJ Taylor did not did not suit up at all for this match. You know, he, last time he played, I know it was talked about that he was working through some injury, um, and then obviously when Metinair got the red card, Dotson was already in, so they just switched those pieces around. I think this game, I was really hoping to see DJ Taylor come in at right back. 
given that he didn't suit up, we don't know if it was injury. But what is your feeling on on DJ? Uh, sorry, on Dotson in the in the right back position, and and where do you see his future uh, position? So I will. I'll, my hot take right off the bat is that I think DJ Taylor is a better right back, but mm-hmm. I think Hassani Dotson is a better player. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think and, that we would agree with that. I, I think that most people would agree with that. And I've heard I've heard other people on uh, I can't remember where I heard this quote exactly, but it was somebody saying of Hassani that if if you play every position, you don't have a position, mm-hmm. and that's one thing that I hope doesn't overshadow him. And I think in the in the way that we play him, he's, he's kind of a plug-in. Like he's a kind of our Swiss Army knife guy, where he can play in the mid, he can play on a wing, he can play kind of anywhere. But he's not a game changer in any of those positions, and I and I don't know if that's going to hold him back or not. I know he has aspirations to go off to Europe, and, and God bless him if he does. And I obviously would hope that Dotson can go off and do anything he wants and, and be a great player somewhere else. But without having like a, s- a solid position with solid minutes, it's kind of hard to speculate too much on him. But man, I am I am very glad to see him when he's on the pitch. That's for sure. So would you, I mean, and yeah, you bring up kind of the point that I think is what Heath is thinking is, is Dotson's the better player. Um, and, you know, whether or not DJ Taylor is the better right back, I think is, is the only real question up for debate. And for me, it's not even about whether he's the better right back. It's like, he's the right back. So if he's not going to play when we need a right back to go in, then we should find someone who can, because we need to figure out a solution for when Metonair is not in. And for me, it's not just to keep cramming dots in there because he's the next best player on the bench. Because to your point, I worry if we don't find him a position, we're going to be doing him a disservice, either either in his development or even or in just the respect he gets on a national league-wide basis because he's not able to settle in and start to learn one spot. Yeah, and I also think... I mean, this this is obviously much credit to to what Metinier brings, but when you plug in a right back, whether it's Taylor or Harsani or I mean, it could be anybody, they're not him, and and not a lot of players can do, especially in MLS, can do what Metinier does. You know, running running corner to corner, you know, running a track meet for 90 minutes, and contributing offensively with crosses and with overlaps and stuff like that. But I think I think the problem is that we're trying to. Uh, we're trying to shove Dotson or DJ into that role and just thinking like, just do what Metonair does. Just go out <laughs> on the field and be him, you know? And, and that's, that's a, that's a lot to ask of a player who's not him to contribute that way. And so much of our attack relies on Metonair's ability, not only to push deep, but to win balls deep, which he does, which is amazing. Like when he, when he's backed into a corner, you know, he can dribble his way out of something to make that pass. Not a lot of players can do that period. So I think that's, that's my issue is we're trying, we're trying to replace Metonair instead of letting Taylor or Hassani be a right back and then telling Robin Lude or Ethan Finley, hey, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go a little bit box to box to make those plays that DJ or, or Hassani just can't or won't and, and shouldn't honestly have to. We should be relying more on that that right wing slot to make those runs and send those crosses and make those overlaps. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, so that's and, that's my concern. Right. That's a great point. It's you know, we, we don't really know you know, we've we've only known DJ Taylor for a short time. Um, he seems to have, you know, 
relative speed. Uh, you know, he doesn't have very long legs, which I think is always going to hold you back to a certain point. Uh, but it's it's definitely a difference, and I think you know, kind of what I what I made an effort to start out the the conversation with, and I think. I may have said it the wrong way, but I think when we miss when 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 Metonair is not on the field, I think I notice it more offensively than defensively. Um, and you know, in in the game against LAFC, I can't think of any big defensive threat that they had where I felt like we were really hurting from not having him there. Um, you know, their only goal that they scored was a fluke, but I do think that that offensive threat, even if it's not directly from him, the threat that he poses keeps defense on their heels the way that obviously you know Dotson and, and DJ Taylor can't well that's that kind of ties into if you're you know looking ahead to Vancouver and I was I, I quickly watched the extended highlights of their last match of San Jose and I, w- I was very impressed at how disciplined their back line is especially when they're dealing with incoming crosses from the left and the right San Jose did that so much to them and their back line moves it's like one it's like those like the dolls where it's like a stick and there's four dolls and you're the one in the middle and you all move at the same time. I mean, if you watch those highlights, like their back line moves like a single unit. And that was impressive, first of all. And second of all, I was like, that's not good because they are going to force us to move the ball through the middle. And that's what they did to San Jose right away. They they uh, they they cut the corners out completely. And that's, you know, Metonair is a big part of that offense. We can move the ball through the middle, but it seems like we always rely on Metonair to generate that offense for us. So another concern, mm-hmm. but that, that, that's a great segue. Cause that, that was the kind of the notes that I was taking was, was I was very impressed with how Vancouver disciplined their back line. And you mentioned when you were talking about, you know, uh, Dotson's future and, or, or Metonair's kind of, impact over replacement you brought up uh Jan Gregus who has been Mm -hmm. kind of a topic of a lot of conversation this year through injuries and and dips in play he has pretty much become obsolete at this point I mean he's been fully healthy the last few matches we've understood he did not see the field our last home game and it was reported he was the first one out the gates after the game was over so it sounds like maybe who knows what you can take from that but you know the the narrative there would be that he left angry um what do we see? What do we see for for Greg Gush's future? I, I don't see any story that leads to him staying here at the end of the year. He's a DP, although it came out that he does make less than Robin Lude, who is not a DP. So there's the MLS, you know, salary cap rules for you. Uh, what do you think the future is for him, and and what do you think it should be? I think I well, I, we we know I'm with some certainty that his contract is up. What December thirty first? I think it's it's a bygone conclusion or foregone conclusion that he's gone. I just don't know where he's going to end up. Um, especially for a DP and, and, and as an eight, I mean, that's not, that's not the most alluring hot ticket item when a club is looking for a DP in MLS. Like you want to, you want to spend those Garber points on goals. I feel like you should, that's what the DP slot is for. You bring in somebody who can be a, an impact player not to say that Jan isn't, but maybe in a different way for us. I see him going back to Slovakia. That's, that's my thought. Unless someone in MLS wants to pick him up, which could happen, but that's, that's kind of what I see. And it yeah. is sad. I've, I always liked Jan. I was, I was a supporter of him day one and to see him like his, his career and his time with Minnesota kind of like sputter out to a, to a, blech. it's, it's kind of disappointing, honestly. But that does speak to speaks to how how 
good and how deep our midfield is right now, which is again is such a good problem to have. If if Jan, if you have a player like Jan Gregus and he doesn't have a spot in the mid on a team, that means that your mid's got to be pretty solid, right? Yeah, and I think that I mean we've already seen Rosales uh, make a name for himself in terms of a, a kind of a, a game seeing out sub. You know, if if we're ahead by by one or two coming into the 70th, 80th minute. I think that right now we're basically expecting to see Rosales come in to the eight because of what he offers defensively and not only just in kind of shutdown defensively, but he also offers something in terms of a counter and like getting out of the back end and, and maybe even a little holdup play. You know, we saw him do that. I think it was uh, Philadelphia. He came in um, and took the ball down and did well in the corner with it. So it really is just one more level of, of Jan kind of losing uh, a role to play. Yeah, because that's, I mean, that wasn't really Jan's specialty. I mean, he would, he would, he'd drive down and he'd take, take shots out of the 18 if he, if he thought he could get his foot on it. But offensively, I don't think Jan did much, but it wasn't really his job. So you're right. Yeah, I mean, having, having Rosales out there with fresh legs. I was thinking about that when I was watching, uh, that was one note that I had from the LA was, I was like, man, I wish we'd, we could have kept Edwards because that's kind of the prototype that you're looking for in that late 80 shutdown when you're up by a goal you need you need that speedy guy to come in and and run around the tired guys and Edwards, what do you what do you think <laughs> of the edwards saga what did, what's your take on, on I, why he didn't work out here i don't know what he did if he knocked over one of heath's wine glasses at a party or something <laughs> but he he went from like man this guy could be special to like doghouse like overnight yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what I don't know. I mean we you say this all the time, like we don't know what happens in camp, we don't know what happens on the on the practice pitch, but something happened. Yeah. It, it might it must have been something plus Molino getting like unbelievably hot last year. Like yeah. was there anybody was there anybody hotter at the end of the season than Kevin Molino in MLS? I don't know. No. He was he was everywhere, he was on fire, he was getting assists, he was scoring goals, and then it's like when your left wing is that good, then what what's Edwards supposed to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Well and I'm sure it didn't make any of the you know, the game overview, but he was a killer against us uh this this past game. Um, and it just goes to show that he did have a lot to offer, and it's it's just so weird that that's the way that that whole thing ended. I mean, with yeah, him going from like seeing time to kind of like seeing more minutes here and there to just, I mean, not even suiting up, and then he's gone, and yep. he's finding regular minutes at LAFC, who are having their struggles. But anyone who watched the game on on whatever it was Saturday um, saw that he was that he was present and making a huge impact on the game. Yeah, he. I mean, you you give that guy some space, man, and he will terrorize you. He's so fast, and he's scrappy. Like, he'll fight. He doesn't go down either. Like when he's got the ball, he would he would rather be tackled down than than flop. Yes. And that's yeah, that could be dangerous, especially you know, like I said, when you're in those last eighty, and most of your guys are tired, right? They're not they're not all fresh, and that's why those those speedy guys kill you. But when you have a speedy guy who also is unwilling to flop down and throw his hands up at the ref that's that's like a, a double bad combination right but yeah it was good to see him i i've i've always liked edwards i like to watch him play i think he's a great player i've never heard anything bad about him but again we don't we don't know you know i have no idea you know you talk about about having fresh legs and i think it it's something grant and i have been talking about about the the finley lewd discussion and and where do they find themselves in the mix and obviously you know, we right now we're kind of going back and forth between Finley starting and Lude starting, and you know, 
they both have something to offer, especially with how much Finley, how well Finley has been playing this year. Um, this last game, we saw Lude start and then Finley come on for Anu and and Lude jump up top. What's what do you think that that relationship needs to look like going forward here in the last whatever three games plus playoffs? Fingers crossed. I think we're very lucky to have four or five attacking pieces generally that are all just you know class athletes with you know Fragapane, Reynoso. Who knew Lude and Finley? You got you got these five guys that all of them are dangerous in their own way, but it's kind of like finding the right combination at the right time is has been the that's been the problem. So sometimes it is Finley's, and it and it, and the thing is you don't really know until you're too until it's like hindsight. You don't know how good they're going to be until almost it's too late. Because I don't like I don't I don't I don't like to bring Robin on late because he's not that fast. Um, but he's deadly in the box. He's the you know, he's best best striker we have. But I also I would like to have him on the pitch for the entire match. But I also don't want to make him tired, you know. But I also don't want to I also don't want to give Finley seventy minutes because he's not that fast either. They're both like they're they both kind of have like that uh, like that field general like they kind of run the show when they're on the pitch. Both good one to one dribblers. Both have good technical off the ball skills, but. I think the big thing is that Lude scores goals and Finley doesn't, and that's kind of I don't know I, I hate I hate to I hate to water down all of the complex nuance of this beautiful game into like such a nonsensical like hand wave of an idiom, but like if you're not scoring goals as a as a forward or as an attacking winger, I'm gonna pick the guy who does almost every time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean I don't think I don't think Finley scores the goal that Lude did against Philadelphia. No. Um, when 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 Ray hits a back heel and and Lude left footed, you know, puts it top bins. Not only is Finley not left footed, but just the the difficulty there. I don't think we've seen Finley execute on that this year. No, he, Finley's uh, if he drives into the if he drives into the box one on one on his right foot, he's probably going to score. But it's such a such a small chance of that happening because he's kind of and I love the guy I, I he's he's awesome Loon's legend but he's kind of a one trick because you never mm-hmm. see him like he can't he's not going to double back and recycle a ball in or you know like uh, I think about that 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 one that where Fra- or Fragapane played that ball back against LA that was almost out of bounds and then who knew had a, a header chance like that's something that Finley can't do when the ball's mm-hmm. bouncing across the line and he's going to jump in the air and push it back into play. Finley can't do that. Lude mm-hmm. maybe could, but that's, you know, that's Fragapane. He's amazing. Yeah. But that's what I'm missing is like, you know how this goes. It's not just about the shot. It's a, it's about the one that goes in. So that's kind of where I see Finley lacking. So I don't know, man, that's, that's just such a good question. Like Nate, me and Nate and Sam have, have debated this endlessly for every single match. Should Finley start? Should Lude start? Um, who comes in for who, you know, cause you kind of have these, you got five guys that you need, but you only have four spots for them yep. and somebody's got to go and somebody's got to come in. It's just, again, finding that right combination at the right time, I think is critical. Yeah. For me, I think, I think barring any, anything outside the norm, I've been really enjoying, enjoying the front four starting the way you'd want them to with loot outright. And then at that 60th, maybe even later minute mark, we, we sub Finley for a new, and we let loot grow up top because Lude scores so many of his goals in the dying minutes of a game because he's the last one to be making those last those runs and he's he's the last one to keep doing all the fundamentals right and we've seen him score time and time again on that 
But I think that Finley off he you know he offers a lot when he comes in against tired legs and can can run at that back line and put them on their heels. So it feels like a waste to not have him. So, yeah. but I also with that said, I don't love the idea of taking Unu off in the last fifteen all the time because I don't ever feel like he's out of ideas when we take him off. And so no. I don't necessarily feel like that needs to be a foregone conclusion either. So uh, I think it really is I'm open to what the game gives us at that point, and I would love to get Finley on unless everyone is having a good enough game where you just can't realistically take one of them off. And maybe that's that's the key is, like, if we're if we're up one or two in the 80th, like, take take loot off. If, he doesn't, if you don't need him to score that last goal in the last 15, then take them off yep. and we and then we'll we'll you know finley will go out there and run a track meet on those guys and tire them out because that's that's what finley does the best is he's just he's so fit he's he's so clutch in those like i'll just i'll just run around you with the ball until you're tired and then and then put the ball in but and then lute is a he's a one-on-one he's a technician i mean an outstanding one-to-one dribbler but maybe you don't need that in the last 80th i guess that's kind of the that's the whole context it's like Depends on the game. Depends on who we're playing, and depends on what the situation is. Yeah. But I do agree with starting starting Lude as the as the goal scorer, right? Yep. Start off with your best guys right away and see if they can, you know, do some damage. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think I think you got to. Um, I want to ask you a few questions about uh, the stocks, players, stocks. I I put a, a poll on Twitter and I asked I asked people about five different players. I guess four players and the coach. Um, we're going to leave Heath for last because I think that'll spiral <laughs> off into a different conversation. But Oh, my gosh. Uh, how are you feeling about Adrian Anu? Where did you feel when he came in, and how have you felt, if any differently, over the last, whatever, four matches where he's a, he's begun to score goals um, almost regularly? I feel about the same, if not maybe a slow, like, gradual incline, not a, not a sharp incline. I'm impressed um, and I know like you guys, you and, you and Grant have, have talked about this ad nauseum about what to expect <laughs> from a DP, especially one coming from where, from where who knew came from. I think the reasonable take for me is that I'm going to give him the lewd treatment and I'm going to be happy mm-hmm. when he does well. And I'm not going to bust him up too much when he doesn't. Cause I know this is a tough league to come into as a European player. It's a different style of, of football and, you know, we we had we said this all the same stuff we've said about who knew we we were all saying about Robin last year or the year before. Um, why did we sign this guy? What's he doing right. here? And all of a sudden, he's like probably the best player, or at least one of the best players on the team. Yep. So I'm 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 holding optimistic reservation. I would okay. Say. And that's an important. So yeah, we had 33 votes on that one, and 66.7 percent said they thought his stock was going up. Uh, but I think that really depends on where you think it started as well, which I think you and I are both saying the same thing. You know, we never really had too big of concerns because we know that these things take time. Whereas those who maybe thought it was going to be the next, you know, Angelo Rodriguez are feeling like, oh, okay, he's not that. So his stock is going up. So it is a yeah. little relative on that one. I think Loons fans across the uh, the social media, Twitter, Reddit sphere have kind of this like, we have like this uh, boy who cried wolf syndrome. I don't know if that's a thing when we sign strikers as we all like it, like the knee jerk reaction is to like roll our eyes, yes. you know, like, Oh, another striker. Great. And then we just move on to the next thing. Like, you know, what's up with the twins, you know, right. stuff like that. Like you just yeah. expect it to be disappointing. Exactly. Uh, Tyler Miller, he had, you know, he, the, obviously the goal against LA was rough, right? I mean, that was rough for anyone. 
um, end up going between his legs. On a, I was already cheering and kind of jeering, if you will, about how bad that free kick was because it just kind of blopped over and, and landed right in his lap, it looked like. And then I realized it had gone in. So it was a clear enough mistake that from the opposite end of the field, I, I could already tell it was it was going to be saved and then it wasn't. Um, yeah. And But beyond that, there's been a few games, I think, recently where as much as you can criticize Tyler Miller, who has set the record for clean sheets in the, in, for Minnesota United, he's, he's, near the, he's in the top five of almost any goalkeeping stat you can pick out. Um, the last few games, I do think he's he's tripped up a little bit with some some bigger rebounds or um, you know maybe some some distribution that wasn't quite what his standard is. So I said his stock is going down a bit, but uh, you know to the point of Unu, I think that's just because it started so high for me. Yeah, and I I think you know Miller Miller's come off. I mean, if if there's anything, if there's any one thing that anyone in MLS could be jealous of. It's the fact that we have Tyler Miller and Dane St. Clair on our sheet. And when you have two not just good but above-average MLS starters, like that is such a blessing to have. So, yeah, but I also agree. I think it was it was a mistake. And, and I know like when that ball comes off the grass in front of you, like it, anything could happen. Mm-hmm. And so – but I don't know how much of that was like free kick or how much of that was just Miller just bottled it. But I'm not going to – for how well he's been playing, I'm not gonna bust his chops too much about about a, a miss like that. Oh, you know? yeah, no, certainly not. We had we had 33 votes on that one, and it was a tie at 39.4% for either no change or going down. Um, and I think you know, again, I think that the no change is people who are, um, yeah, you know, he's he's obviously his his record speaks for himself, and one bad game is gonna change it. I think if you're gonna be really spe- actually, you know realistic about stocks going up or down uh you know you can have a bad day and and you know obviously not have it be too representative of of your whole year no and and i'm looking at his stats right now i got pulled up in front of me you know four four shots three saves 75 percent that's that's above average i mean he's got a lot of clean sheets but 75 is pretty good for him so and for only facing four shots like yeah you'd like to see a clean sheet but also like if Lude slots that one and Hunu gets that header, then it's yep. three to one, and who cares? Right. You yep. know, it's, so it's, it's very it's, easy to forget how quickly a win will make you forget about different issues. I mean, whatever happened against Philadelphia, where he he instead of tapping over the net, it kind of just ended up on the goal line. I mean, it was a last minute reflex, basically trying to get it over, but that's something we expect him to do. And in this case, it it didn't get over, and it ended up basically going in the net on its own almost. Um, but we won, and so we all kind of moved past it. Right. So I would say slight decline. I'm not ready to put Dane in quite yet. Oh. I would say stick with Miller. That's my that's my hope. Yep. All right. I'm going to jump to Heath now. Uh, I also asked about uh, Joseph Rosales, which we kind of touched on. Uh, 47% said no change. And I asked about Ozzy Alonso, who uh, 56.8% said it's going up. I would probably agree with both those. I think I expect big things for Rosales in, in our future in terms of a, being a part of what we're doing here. Um, and I think that that's kind of no change to, to maybe a little bit up based on his, his last couple of performances here. I'd say for both of them, not, I don't really have a super strong opinion about either of their yeah. stocks at this point. Love to see Ozzy score goals. Every time he does, it's amazing. Um, but also, like, I don't even – it's hard to say. I, I think I feel like anybody that was – that had the ball pop out in front of him on that on that free kick would have maybe done the same, but Ozzy did it, so yeah. good for him. I give him a slight tick up, but otherwise, yeah. I don't really have a strong opinion about either of them. All right, that brings us to the main event: Adrian <laughs> Heath. 
We oh had God. 34 votes on this one, and 70%, which I think was by far the biggest margin, said no change, which as we talked about, I think that goes to stay more about where his stock was to begin with less yep. or and not as much about how he's performed. For me, I've been saying... Uh, I don't think there's anything he can do at this point that would make me feel super good about going into the next season with him. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him fail. I I like Adrian Heath. I've met Adrian Heath. He's a super dude. Everything I hear about him is oh, yeah. he seems to be genuine and kind. And like obviously, I want my people to succeed. But I just don't know if it's if it's happening at this point. And even if it's not because of him, I'm doing air quotes over here. Sometimes it's just time for a change and you need someone to come in and you need someone to just revitalize the team and bring new ideas. And even if he's saying the same thing that he says, you know, maybe the guys will hear it a little differently and it'll just spark something. Um, at yeah. a certain point, you, you've run your race and it might be time to just pass along. And that's really my feeling at this point with Heath. Where are you at? I'm probably locked up with you, my friend. Yeah. Uh I've always, I've, I've never been a proponent of pulling a coach and this is true with any sport, any league. I don't ever think it's a good idea to fire a head coach in the middle of a season outside of like extreme extraneous circumstances. Um, but you know, I, I've heard you guys say so many times, like he, it's like the McCarthy syndrome. Like mm-hmm. he's gonna, he's gonna get you close, but that's it. I think, I think we've, we have seen the ceiling and we've obviously seen the floor and I'm not. I'm not excited for that. I, I wouldn't be excited to know that that was our ceiling moving forward to 22, 23. And I do agree. I think we have some, we like, we haven't had, we haven't had this much talent on the sheet in our history as a club, but just, we have not. And we have some absolute class players. When Reynoso is healthy, he is one of the best players in MLS. When Fragapane is hot, he is unstoppable. We have such such good players why aren't we scoring goals why aren't we winning games people have been talking about it on twitter and reddit and all over the place why aren't we scoring goals and you know soccer and all sports is not always the players or the coach it's usually some kind of mix of both but my argument is we know the quality of players we have on the pitch and we also have a pretty decent idea of how far this head coach is going to take that talent mm-hmm. and so i agree i i Unless unless Heath runs the table, and we and we're hoisting the cup in a few months, I'm I'm probably Heath out. I, yeah. I want to see a change. I want to see someone that's willing to change some tactics. I think not necessarily bending to a player, but you know we know we know Hunu came in from a two striker, and he's not really meant to be the the lone ten on the island, and maybe a more offensive minded coach who's more creative with, Hey, how can we get, how can we get this guy, the ball in the box so he can put it in? Why, you know, we don't need, we don't need Hunu standing out outside the pen area, you know, taking, taking, you know, hot, uh, pot shots off the line. How do we get the guy, the ball? Cause when he gets the ball in the 18, man, he's deadly. And he, that's where he, he, he gets in between the sticks. But I don't think that the, the, the three, one that we're playing him in right now is just, obviously isn't hasn't been working for him and i'm not excited to see if that will work next year you know what i mean yeah like oh maybe he'll just get he'll maybe he'll just wake up 
you know, in, yeah. in, in like March and be like, oh, I can be like the true 10. Oh, I was, you know, it was in me all along. I don't see that happening. I think it's going to have to come from a, a more offensive minded coach who's willing to be flexible in attack and keeping what we have in our defense, I think needs, needs to stay where it is. We have a really good defense. Those guys know their jobs. They do a really good job. We have we have good mid depth, but I think that's the attacking that needs to change a little bit. And I just want to see, I want to see what a coach is willing to do with those five guys who are very, very good class players. What can a offensive creative coach do with those five guys? That's what and, I'm looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, and, and you mentioned there, unless he's hosting the cup, if if they win MLS Cup, does that get him? Does that save his? Are you good with him going in next year? Yeah. And is that? <laughs> Is that I mean, just what else could you down? possibly want? Yeah, is that and so is that okay? You've done it, or is that going next year on a, on a shorter leash than he was on this year? Saying like through the first whatever month, if you're not showing that this is a continuation of where we left off last year, you're getting you know we're pulling the plug. Yeah, and that that is uh, that is truly the the Sophie's choice, isn't it? If uh, <laughs> if we do. You know what? What MLS fan doesn't want their team to win the cup, right? Yeah. Every sports fan wants to see their team win, and we're no different. But also, like you said, okay, then so then what? Is this just we won the cup and now we're back to having the same conversation a year from now? So I don't know. I guess even in that situation, man, that's a tough. That's a really mm-hmm. tough question. I would obviously like there'd be nothing more in the entire universe that I would want than to see the Loons win it all. But also to know that we might be doing this whole thing again. It doesn't, it doesn't excite me for the future of this team. Yeah. And we've seen, we've seen this now for what, five, six seasons. Like I agree with you. I'm ready to let's mix it up a little. Let's, let's get some fresh blood in here and see if we can get a coach that will correctly match the talent that he has on the sheet. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we really did run the table here and win the cup, I, I would still be fine with him leaving just cause it's, again, I've said, um, but if, if we did keep him, I, I wouldn't necessarily be up in arms, but I would hope that it would be, you know, with with the understanding that you need to show from day one that you're continuing where we left off last year or else like it's over. Um, and I would hope that there could be some middle ground if we do decide to keep him. Yep. Yeah, All right. That's tough, man. It's tough. All these things said, what's your expectation for tomorrow? Oh, man, for Vancouver, just by watching, I did take notes. I like I said, I was I was really impressed about how they use space, and they don't like they were right in San Jose's face. Like even in the first couple minutes, they were in the box taking shots, and those guys are not afraid to take shots. And with with the way that Miller has been deflecting balls and recycling shots, that does not excite me. How those guys. Like they swarm. I mean, they're they're really good at that because they have such a good defense. They can put all their guys, they can commit everybody in behind the ball to take up space, and they they use space really well. And that's something that we don't do very well. Um, and they also win a lot in the mid, which is always scary because we're like our mid is so hot cold. Some mm-hmm. days, like if Trap comes out and he's and he's got fire in his eyes like he's so good but he also makes mistakes if Dotson's the same way like our mid can be really good they can also make a lot of mistakes and I think Vancouver is going to come in and see how much space we give in the mid and they know if they get the ball behind Reynosa or they get the ball behind Fragapane or especially on the right against Lude or Finley they're going to have lots of space to push that ball in the 18. I'm I'm expecting to see a lot lots of shots I think Miller's going to have to He's going to have a really, really 
I don't want to say a tough game, but but mentally coming off that mistake against LA, knowing, you know, watching his tape and, and he knows full well that Vancouver's gonna flood the box. And so he's gonna be looking to see 10, 12 shots at least, uh, you know, on him. So that concerns me. Their defense is pretty good. But also uh, the thing I noticed against San Jose is they also, for all the chances they had, they didn't they didn't put a lot of goals on. They, they just struggled to put it in the bag a, a couple times. It's very similar to us. Like they can get in the box, they can move the ball great around the box, but ultimately, you know, they didn't score that many goals. Or what, it scored one one against San Jose, it was a draw, so they got their one. But so I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a tough one. I'm I'm anticipating. I would say a draw. I'm looking for a one-one yeah. draw. Yeah, I I would be happy with a draw. I, I would take a draw. Um, you know, we it's it's been so hard to tell with this team now. You know, we play a team like Philadelphia, who is who's been very good, and they were something like winless or uh, lossless in their last six or, or five or something like that. Um, they hadn't let three goals in all year. Um, we had never beat them before. There's all these stats where we we play a good team and we score three goals. And like, but then there's also the other side of it where we, that was the first time we had scored three goals all year long, and we'd only scored two a handful of times. And we go and play a team like Austin, and we still kind of beat them to the same degree that we beat a team like Philadelphia. So we just have a very high tendency of of playing teams to kind of the level that they're at we play down or up to the level of the team we're playing so my expectation is that'll be a very hard fought match where we either tie 1-1 or lose or win 2-1 i think that there's three goals in the game and uh either it's it's yeah or there's either it's either 1-1 tie or there's three goals in the game and it tips in one person's favor um i think it's going to be very close um, and I am looking. We did actually beat the Galaxy three one on September eighteenth. So yeah, um, yeah. it's only the second time we've we've scored. No, three I goals. think this this is this is a match. I think not only are I mean obviously we're going to be paying close attention, but I think the West is going to be watching this because we're only one what one point away, or they're one point away from us, and so they have to win. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think they're going to do is they're going to come out and they are going to be okay with us getting counters because they know we don't have a lot of speed, but they. But they know that they can flood the box, and they probably watched Miller, uh, Bill Buckner, that goal. And so they are going to come after him hard. That's, that's my thought, is they are going to bring, they're gonna bring five, four or five guys every time uh, on buildup, and they're just going to pepper him until one slides in. That's, that's what I think is going to happen. Yep. And we're yep. going to have to counter, or we're going to have to keep the ball away from them, which I think is going to be really tough. Yeah. You mentioned the playoffs there. Uh, yeah, we're we're just one point ahead of them, and we're one point behind both the Galaxy and Portland. Um, what do you see? Uh, how do you how do you expect the, the season to end here? Uh, late November, I believe, is is when the season wraps up. Um, where where are we at when when all is said and done? I don't think too much is going to change. Just looking at the schedule, like we've got. Like Colorado, New England, that is going to be a hell of a game. I can't wait to watch that one. Um, that could be a little cup preview. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, that's a take. Sh- <laughs> uh, but SKC and LA, Portland and San Jose. I mean, these are both. You know, Sporting and Portland could both easily climb because San Jose mm-hmm. and, and Galaxy are very, very beatable teams. Dallas gets Salt Lake. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think a lot's going to change, but I think if if we drop one of these three games, I don't feel confident that we're even going to make the playoffs. 
because I think Portland and Portland's going to climb, Colorado's going to climb, LA could drop a little bit, Salt Lake could climb. They're only two behind Vancouver too, you know. Yeah. So I mean, it's so tight. It really is like right. It's so hard to say. I know. I really do think it's. I think it's more on the. T- I think it's more on Salt Lake and LAFC than it is on anyone inside the playoffs. If they, if they can kind of get their act together and and start putting some games together, um, I don't see any reason why they can't find their way in because I think one of us are going to stumble. Whether it's Galaxy, us, or Vancouver, one of us are going to stumble. Um, but if they kind of keep winning, losing, drawing here and there, and don't really ever make an effort to to get up there, then I think you know it'll probably stay the exact same that it is right now. Honestly, yeah, I, don't, I mean, if you look just looking at points for Seattle, SKC, Colorado, and no one, no one is reasonably going to catch them for a top three spot. I just don't see that happening no. in the next three. Portland Galaxy could, I mean, it's really Portland Galaxy, Minnesota, Vancouver. That's going to be the the shuffle, I think. Yep. I agree. But I don't know. I think Portland and and uh, SKC have very winnable matches, so I expect Portland will be up to whatever forty nine points by the end of the week. So we just gotta we have you know it's it's must win and it always is, but especially now more than ever we cannot drop points. No, I'm inclined to agree. All right, man. Well, that's all I have. Do you have anything else that you haven't gotten off your chest in the last forty-five minutes no. or so? No, just uh, as a as a day one listener, I'm just absolutely <laughs> chuffed to be on the on the podcast. That's that's all. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, man. Thank you for joining us. All right, and thanks again to Rob for spending 45 minutes talking with me. We did that whole thing in one take. Honestly, no do-overs, no setup. We just shot it and did it, and boom, the guy's a natural. All right, next we're heading up north, talking to Christian. He's on the East Coast. He's a Vancouver fan. It's a little confusing at first, but stick with us. I promise it'll work itself out. All right, and as promised, we are joined by Christian from, uh, I guess he's on the East Coast. He's a Vancouver Whitecaps fan. Uh, So, Christian, before we kind of get into the questions, why don't you just take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Well, I'm born and raised in Vancouver. Um, You know, I moved to to Toronto about six years ago for work, uh, but I've been able to maintain my uh, Whitecaps uh, support from afar. Um, most seasons I get to more away games than I get to home games, but I still have my season tickets in Vancouver. I won't give those up. So, you know, I'll get back to Vancouver for as many games as I can and see as many on the road as I can. And um, a lot of the uh, Whitecaps supporters know me as kind of like a road warrior, is what a lot of people call me, because I think I've been to 54 away games since we joined MLS. I've been to every stadium in the league. I uh, just went to Austin this year when the Whitecaps played there for the first time. And, uh, yeah, I've got a pretty good track record of away games. And, uh, you know, being to, like I said, being to every stadium in the league, being to Minnesota, I think, three times now, at least twice. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, you know, just one of these diehard supporters, gets to as many games as I can and watches as many games as I can. And, uh, yeah, used to be a capo for the Southsiders as well, one of the supporters groups in Vancouver. But obviously I had to give, uh, give that up once I moved out, uh, out east. But, uh Got some fantastic replacements there in Vancouver, so uh, very happy with the direction things are going over there. 
So your your Twitter says 21, 19, and 14 in your attendance. Yeah. Is that still accurate when yeah, you attend win. away games? Yeah, wins, losses, and draws. I update it every time I go on away games. Um, so, you know, updated with the three points we got in, in Austin. Uh, you know, I've it's a surprisingly high number of wins considering how poor we started on the road for the first few years. Yeah. So, um, you know, very... Very fortunate to have seen so many uh, so many wins. Some uh, some deserved, some not. <laughs> right. Know, but, I mean, yeah, for any team, that's I mean, that's a that's a good on the road record. And yeah, you mentioned the the kind of the woes that you know have 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 struck the team from time to time. So that is very reputable. Yeah. So I want to just talk to you a little bit more about about kind of how Vancouver is looking this year, and kind of just to start off. Um, how have you felt about the year? I know going in, I feel like there was a lot of expectations because of the money you all have been spending over there. Um, a rocky start, but is it coming around a bit? How, how the overall? How are you feeling about the year? Yeah, um, like like every, fortunately, too many years. You say this, we start off, we get a bit of a slump, and then we start to claw it back late in the season. And and more often than not, unfortunately, it's been too little, too late. Unfortunately for this year, though, it is actually looking like we're starting to hit our stride at an appropriate time. Yeah, we're you know, just towards the bottom of the playoff bracket right now, but we're serious contenders to get into the playoffs, which is not something we've been able to say every year coming in um, at this point in the season. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, we did spend a lot of money in the offseason, brought in guys like Lucas Cavallini, and and uh, he was doing fairly well, hit a bit of a slump. We got new guys, Brian White, Ryan Gould, uh, Gold, sorry, and um, and once they started connecting, we really started taking off. We got uh, seven points out of the last nine uh, we were on a pretty good form with the uh, Seattle game being a glitch where we lost 4-1. But uh, generally speaking, we're starting to really, uh, uh, you know, hit our hit our uh, upswing here late in the season. And um, yeah, while it has been difficult to watch, you know, emotionally for, you know, you always want to see your team succeed. And when you're struggling and things aren't working and you're you're this close, you know, this close to getting it, um, it's a little tough to watch sometimes. But uh, you know, we stick with the team and they're starting to show what uh, all these players are capable of. Um, it was kind of a, um, a catalyst moment when uh, Marta Santos was let go and I don't know what changed other than the morale seemed to improve. I don't know, players started to play for each other rather than just being disappointed every game. Or um, I, I'm not sure if, that, if that's true in the locker room, but it certainly seemed to be that way on the field, that it was just like, hey guys, let's get this together, let's play for each other, and it's, it's been really great to watch since then. Um, yeah, so we're, like I said, we're just coming up uh, now, and we're um, doing fairly, playing fairly well, and things are connecting, players are playing decently, and uh, yeah, we're getting some results here. You, you mentioned Brian White there in, in the midst of that, and he has been, uh, had a huge season for you all. Um, is that, am I just not aware of him because I'm kind of removed from the everyday of Vancouver, or is, has he kind of had a, had a big coming out party this, this year? You know, it was a slow start for him, I will say. You know, we spent all this money bringing in Cavallini, and he was supposed to be our golden boy getting all those goals, and, you know, for the longest time, he didn't have a whole lot of um, supply to him. And then um, we were always missing that creative uh, playmaker and that we found in Ryan Gold. And um, basically, when he came in, started connecting. Unfortunately, Cavallini had some injuries at that time, and uh, Brian White stepped in. It was a bit of a slow start for him. He wasn't. He was just, you know, feeling his way into the team. But once he started connecting, uh, man, has he taken off? He scored three goals. He scored, he scored a hat trick for us. He scored. I think he scored like seven goals now or something for us. It's really he's really just taken off as soon as we started to get some good connections up there and um, you know our, our attackers and wingers and between um, 
Dahomey and uh, Caicedo, White and Gold, and all of them are playing really well together, almost you know to the point where Cavallini is basically being reduced to the bench. You know, our, our designated player striker is not even a starter right now uh, because the form of everybody else is just so good. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Brian White is just we when he first got signed by us, we were all thinking, wait, who? Never heard of this guy. Who is this guy? Like, what's he going to do for us? We've already got Cavallini. Why do we need another guy? And, uh, you know, he's, he's made me a believer. I was skeptical at first, but, uh, you know, he's certainly impressed. And, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah I mean, he, he's sure. at 11 goals in 29 matches. Uh, which that is, high now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, that's got to be up there in, in the golden boot. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he's up there. And Dahomey is another one who I feel like, you know, like with any team in the league, I kind of feel like I know, like going in, you know, oh, there's, yeah, you know, Cavallini, there's, there's this guy, there's that guy, got to watch out for. Uh, but Dahomey was another one who I I don't know if it's just he burned us up front in some of those games or if throughout the year I mean obviously his performance has been great and you know in fantasy he's someone I always kind of keep my eye on. Um, same thing there or was I just late to the party? Um, I think Dahomey you know I think it's what his second season with us now it might be his third. I, I always forget 2020 just seems to kind of be a blur. <laughs> I don't really like. Exactly. I think we've all want to repress the memory of that year. So. Uh, it might be his third season with us, but uh, you know he was um, uh, a very impressive player for the longest time. You know he's not one necessarily one of these players that's going to get you a lot of goals, but he's somebody that if you watch the games, you really start to notice the way that he's playing. And you know, obviously, as as not being a, a Vancouver supporter, you won't be watching these games. You won't see the impact that he has necessarily. Um, but he definitely is one of the more important players on our team, and from a creativity perspective, from a speed perspective, he's you know, always contributing something one way or another. And, uh, uh, yeah, same sort of thing. It's a, if, if you don't watch the games, you won't see it necessarily. You hear the names pop up if he does something extraordinary. But he's, you know, another one of the... That's kind of one of the things I think about Vancouver is that nobody really pays a lot of attention to us. And that's kind of a good thing and a bad thing at the, uh, at the same time because it's great because we can start to accomplish these things. We can put a team together really well and people don't necessarily take us seriously. And then we come out, we win a whole bunch of games, and all of a sudden they start to notice. Um, but also at the same time, when nobody's paying attention to us, it's hard to, uh, you know, be also be taken seriously. Like, we want to be taken as serious contenders. We don't want to just be looked over. So, you know, rather than just being an underdog and surprising everybody, we'd like people to actually notice and be like, wow, these teams are actually doing stuff. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, being in you know in where you are located, there's definitely some some big hitters out there, and I feel like that definitely doesn't help being being part of the Cascadia rivalry yeah. um, when you have the darlings of, of Seattle and, and even Portland to some extent. Um, you know, it's easy to, to get lost in the shuffle or, or to not you know even though you're performing at a at a higher level than people probably give you credit for. Um, yeah. You know, you're not you're not in the headlines of this the the general league wide coverage. Exactly, it's one of those things when it comes to the the rivalry weeks that come up, and it's always Seattle plays Portland, Toronto plays Montreal, and I, I totally agree those those pairs are more um, intense rivalries than Vancouver would have with the, with any of those four teams. But it's also you look at like who would be our biggest rivals, and of those four teams, they also have bigger rivals. So like who is our biggest rival? We don't really we kind of like we're like almost like a third wheel in a lot of regards to that. So you know, yeah, third wheel in Cascadia, third wheel in Canada as well. So. Right. I know that's, I mean, we're kind of, you know, we've, we've always had the kind of manufacturer rivalry of um, us and Sporting Kansas City, which, mm -hmm. first off, it's not close. I mean, no one's close to us up here in, in Minnesota. I shouldn't say up here to someone who's a, a Vancouver supporter, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, 
so even even when in the best of times, our rivalry with, with Sporting Kansas City was was mostly based off of meeting a lot in the USL levels. Uh, but now with St. Louis coming in, I mean, that's going to be even more so removed with, with them having St. Louis much closer to them. Yeah. Um, and Chicago then, I mean, maybe Chicago will become the rivalry. Right now they've been in the opposite, uh, in the opposite conference as us. So we're kind of with you there and the not really ever having, you know, that true rivalry where it feels like a big match and there's good support uh, on both sides. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, with the league just bringing in more and more of these expansion teams, it's going to be interesting to see how they balance everything in that regard. Where do they put these, um, uh, like, where do they shift the east-west balance? Like, is there going to be some weird dip around somewhere, or is it just going to be a straight north-south and just there's going to be an imbalance because what we have St. Louis coming in, I believe Sacramento fell through, but Charlotte's coming in still. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how... Uh, how this all plays out once we get up to the higher number of teams here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, I want to take it back a bit because when we first met, which I think we decided was 2019, yeah, uh, you were wearing the Michael Boxall Vancouver jersey, yeah. which yeah. I actually at that time was was unaware he'd ever played for Vancouver. Uh, what do you remember of his time in Vancouver? So if I remember correctly, it was at least two seasons, might have been three that he played there. Um, he came with us right when we entered MLS, and um, you know he's he's a defender, I'm a defender, he wears number two, I wear number two, like it was kind of a, and I, I like the way he played, he was very like, um, a, a very physical player, but not like dirty physical, like he just kind of stood his ground, he's a pretty big guy, and uh, yeah, and then, you know, being a new team, um, you kind of start to pick your favorite players, and I kind of like this Boxall guy, and then sort of through social media occasionally we chat and uh, ended up taking him up flying one time um, him and uh, Michael Manchoff we went up for a little tour of the Georgia Strait and um, yeah eventually I bought one of his jerseys at the end of season sale because that's what they used to do they used to have all these player worn jerseys you could buy for 50 bucks and um, so yeah I picked up a box all jersey and figured you know what if I'm going to Minnesota and um, you know he's playing there might as well wear a Whitecaps jersey and wear a box all jersey at the same time you know um, it's not the first time I've, I've worn an opposing team player on my back, the former white cap, but uh, you know, it happens more often than I care to think of. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's good to see that he was able to get a spot for you guys, and he's doing quite well there. So very very happy for him. Yeah, it's interesting you say he wears number two. I wear number two. Uh, he, he was never. We've never seen him in two. You know, he, we've yeah. always known him as uh, fifteen. Um, and actually, that's not even true. But when he got here, he was wearing. 23 i think yeah and then he gave that to darwin quintero and switched to 15 and then when darwin quintero moved along uh he just kind of stuck with it so we never knew him as two uh but he has been he's been kind of a a solid piece for us um when he left the club what was kind of the feeling around that was he an integral part of your team or was he someone who's seen the field here and there um, you know, at the first couple, first season, he was definitely integral because we were still feeling it out. Expansion team, you kind of kind of have to play the players that you brought in for that role, and then you figure out if they're um, not maybe replaceable is not quite the word, but like if you can improve on the position, basically. And I think just after um, you know the, the 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 time that he was there, he just kind of fell out of favor more than anything else. And then you know we brought in other guys that um, um, that just kind of took his position and then yeah we just he, he basically just got phased out it's happened a lot over the years for us we've got a lot of players that are like man i love watching this guy play and then all of a sudden something something happens and all of a sudden he's in a different league in europe or something like that so 
Um, I don't know exactly if there was something behind the scenes. I, mean, I always thought he was a solid player, but um, you know, there's always room for improvement, and I think that's what they were looking for. Yeah, because when he and when he came here, he was not. The feeling was not the feeling we have now, right? He has now mm -hmm. become. He's you know, I'm pretty sure he's leading in appearances. He's done something like played with. 14 different center back pairings in his whatever it's been four years here um and he's become known as just the rock the you know you can always trust the box is going to take care of the job but i don't really think that was the feeling in the first two years that he was here and then i mean that we had a lot of issues with our defense overall mm -hmm. um but I, and i don't know if it was so so with that i don't know if it was him getting his feet under him a bit more and if if he truly is playing the best soccer of his career right now or if a lot of it was just the defensive woes we had across the board made it hard for him to get settled. So that's kind of why I asked kind of when he left there, and I know he went over to play for uh, Australia for uh, in Australia for whatever it was, a season or two. Um, but I was curious to see kind of when he left where, you know, where everyone was feeling on him. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that, um, yeah, same sort of things like you said, we were having some defensive issues. Our first couple seasons were pretty rough, pretty rocky, and it's very easy to point the blame at the defenders in that regard. And, you know, especially if, if you make a mistake or two, it's very easy to fall out of favor, even if it is just one or two goals you let in. Yeah, they might cost you a game here and there, but it might not be a season-wide kind of uh, situation. And, you know, with the expansion team comes... Um, a lot of pressure on the players and a lot of pressure on the franchise to perform well. If you start off with two or three really bad seasons, you know, it's really against the profit margins of the club if you want to look at it that way. They're going to lose fans, they're going to lose ticket sales, they're going to lose all this stuff. They can't afford to do that in the first couple of years. They need to keep the hype, keep the energy, and if that means player turnover, it means player turnover. It's also instability and then it brings in a whole other set of issues, but you know, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, like you said, he, it, it's He's probably, you're right, he's probably, I would say he's probably playing his best football of his career because he has had the opportunity to go to a few places and, um, you know, develop his game. And, and, yeah, looking at it now, yeah, we did have him for two seasons and then he went over um, Wellington. He played in, uh, I guess, New Zealand there. And, um, uh, and then came to you guys. Yeah, looking at, uh, he's played about ten, five times more games for you guys than he has for us. So, you know, like he's like you said, a couple seasons to get warmed up, and uh, he's uh, become an integral part of your team. So, yeah. yeah, it's and it's yeah, it's been it's been a kind of a whirlwind, and and there's you know the the feeling that the I don't think anyone was ever too hard on him, but definitely not the way that they are now, and and it's just mm -hmm. interesting how someone can bounce around like that and then find himself somewhere where he is looked at so differently than you know he ever got the opportunity to be looked at. Um, at other places, so yeah. that's uh, okay. Looking ahead, let's move ahead. You talked about you think you're playing some of your best soccer now. You have three matches left in the year. We play obviously on Wednesday, then you play LAFC at LAFC, and then you come home to finish the decision day against Seattle. Yeah, we got some tough games ahead of us there. Basically, every game is is a must win at this point. Um, you know, we're fighting for the playoffs. We're we're at the bottom edge of it. We got to make sure we get as many points as possible. We're on a good streak right now with the um, the last couple games there. Um, you know, the win against Kansas and Portland, and uh, you know, of course, the unfortunate draw against San Jose. But uh, yeah, the big games coming up. Um, you know, you guys are. I believe you're just ahead of us in the standings. And yep, uh, just one point ahead of you. We're at 45, and you're at 44. 
Yeah, and LA is just below by a few points, I believe, but they're only like one or two points out. Salt well. Lake actually snuck up ahead of them. So we're at 45, you're at 44 in seventh. Then Salt Lake's in eighth with 42, and LAFC is in ninth with 41. Okay. So yeah, we're all just kind of jockeying for this point. Yeah. So like I said, everything is just, uh, you know, one bad game and you're out of the playoffs and won't be able to recover. And I think, you know, we need to get as many points as we can out of these next two games because as, as much as I hate to say it, I don't think we're going to win against Seattle. You mm -hmm. know, as much as I want to, we, if we win that game, we win the Cascadia Cup as well. So, yeah. you know, that's a big home game in the season on a high note. We could win a trophy, but if Seattle has just proved so dominant, I hate to think that we're even going to get a point out of that. Right. So I mean, it depends on what they're going to need out of that game, too. You know, if, yeah. if, if things have already shored up, I mean, they're sitting at 58 points, and that's uh, three points clear of Sporting Kansas City at this point. Um, so it's likely they're probably going to need to, to get a W. Um, mm -hmm. But that's another thing that comes into to play. So what, what's your gut telling you? Next three matches, what are you... Um, actually, why don't you do the last two, and then we'll talk about our game separately. Well, so I hate to say it. I never I never want to think that we're going to lose, but I think we are not going to make it out of that game against Seattle with any points. Yeah. Um, just They proved that in the last game that we played against them when they won 4-1. They just proved they're another level right now. Uh, we're just not quite there yet. I like to think maybe this current streak has gotten us somewhere, but you know, I think it'll be a closer game, but ultimately I think we are going to drop that one there. The LA game is going to be a tough one. LA uh, uh, Bank of California Stadium is always a tough one to go to. I've been there myself, seen the atmosphere. I know how intense that is, and it's hard to walk away from that place with anything in your hands. So I think that'll be a hard fought. Probably going to end up as a draw. I like to think that we're going to win that, and we have a good chance of winning it. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the end, we might just end up with a draw on that one. Again, and then it brings us to the game against Minneapolis or sorry, Minnesota here on uh, on Wednesday, and I think we're in for another hard-fought game. You guys are really fighting for points. We're really fighting for points. I I think we're going to see a really good match. It'll be good to be back home. Um, get get our fans behind us. I know they, they there's a lot of hype behind the team right now, and a lot of fans are eager to get back into the stands. You know, try to get some normality back. You know, we've only been able to have home stadium games for two months now, so. Uh, unlike a lot of the U.S. stadiums where they were able to host earlier in the year, we didn't have them until later on. So, you know, people are going to take full advantage of bring the noise, and they've been proving it game after game in the stadium there. The Southsiders, Rain City Brigade, the South Sisters, all the other, uh, Curva, like all the other supporters groups, they're all just, um, you know, getting behind the team. And I think if we can get some good play in the first uh, 15, 20 minutes of the game, the crowd's going to carry it, and we're going to just keep pushing harder and harder. And, and I think in uh, in that regard, we might be able to see out a win here. Um, other than that, I think because we said we're both on the same uh, sort of track record right now, two wins and a draw to the last three games, um, it's going to be really tight. It's going to be really close. We're both fighting for the same same points, the same reasons, and it's just going to come down to, you know, who can who can get that final connection, who can get the lucky bounces, and who can just be the better team. I think honestly, it's going to be really close, almost too close for me to call. Um, I don't, I don't know what's going to come out of this game. I'm hoping, obviously, for a win, but I could see it. I could see it being a hard-fought draw. Are you guys pretty solidified in, in your starting eleven these days, or, or do you see uh, do you see some change from town to time? Um, I mean, and I guess what do, do you expect on Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, we do see some change. We have a lot of these, you know, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday kind of things where we need to rotate players just for fitness or the occasional uh, yellow card accumulation. But uh, generally speaking, I think we're pretty set in a starting 11. We kind of know who we expect to see, who we expect to see coming off the bench. Um, and then just pending any injuries and stuff, it just might tweak it a little bit there. Um, but no, I think generally speaking, we've got a pretty solid 11 right now. All right. 
I, I, if we can get away, I, uh, coming away with a point would, would feel good to me. Um, you know, I, I'm not overly confident just because anytime you're on the road, it's hard to be confident. But our team has also been just so hard to pin down because there's some games where they just, you know, look like they're, they're world beaters. Um, and then there's some games where it looks like they couldn't, you know, we, they struggled to beat bottom of the table teams like Austin. So I, if we can get a point, I'll be happy. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what the day holds, I suppose. Yeah. It's always tough to go on the road and get away points. Um, you know, especially late in the season and, uh, um, and yeah, it, it, and especially against people that are right in the same setting as you in the same sort of form and shape. And, uh, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be a good, I hope it'll be a good game. I, you know, nothing worse than, you know, really needing points and all you see is a really boring zero yeah. zero, like no, no attacking presence, no nothing. So as long as we get some good, uh, some good play, I'll be happy. And, yeah. Uh, all right. I can't let you go there. before I take you back one more time to July 31st. Our, our last meeting was mm-hmm. the meeting where we had that 94th minute penalty kick that ended up, Dahomey stepped up and took it, mm-hmm. and you all came away with a point. Yeah. First off, does that ring a bell as much as it does for any Minnesota United fan this year? Um, yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> I'm very happy to, uh, to have gotten that. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's always exciting to see a last-minute win. I've seen a lot of those in my day, but... Uh, it's always very nerve wracking when you're getting down that late in the game and you're like, oh man, we don't got this, we don't got this. And then all of a sudden, whoa, actually, hold on a second, we do have a chance here. So um, yeah, very, very interesting uh, to, to get those. Um, yeah, definitely a, a different perspective for me versus you though. <laughs> it, is, it is a wound that I don't think will hear for, heal for a very long time. So yeah. uh, I think that there'll be a little something extra, you know, in the boys on the weekend to uh, get that one back that, uh, you know, they felt pretty hard done by earlier in the year. So we'll see how that affects the game, if at all. Yeah, see if they probably bring a little bit more motivation from uh, from you boys and, uh, you know, just bring a little bit more energy into the game and uh, hopefully we can we can hold you off. Um, there's been some times where our back lines looked a little shaky and hopefully um, they're on form that night because uh, we really need them to be. Awesome. Yeah, well, hey, I wish you terrible luck on the weekend, but good luck on the rest of the year. And uh, thanks so much for uh, taking a time, a little, little time to speak with me. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. And, uh, you know, hope to hope you guys don't win on Saturday and uh, or sorry, on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see each other in the playoffs. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Thanks again. Yeah, no worries. Big thanks to Christian again for talking us through that. Uh, could have gone deeper on the call, but you know what? I felt like that was not a wound worth opening again, so we chose to just move on. All right, that leaves us with just fantasy talk. Quarterfinals was this weekend. Came as a surprise to a lot of us, but for the last few weeks here, we're moving into a playoff system given how we had the, set, the, the league set up. So the top eight made it, which was Ari McMaster-in-Chief, or McMaster-Chef, if I'm going to say it right. Lasso Special, Icarus FC, which is myself. Nate Wilby, Deathloon FC, Minnesota's Eleven, and Unfuls Du Nord. I mean, that's how I'm assuming you said. Leave it to Nicholas to come up with a name that complicated. And guess what happened? If you don't know already, it was Upset City. The bottom four beat the top four, including Ari, who falls in the first week of the playoffs to Nicholas. And we're looking at a wild... 
semifinal this weekend. I did what I always say not to do, and I got cute. I picked New Yoskoto to, to go off and have a big game for Portland. He hardly even saw the field. Bravo didn't see the field. It was a mess. I ended up losing by more than 10 to, to Nate Wilby. I'm assuming I'm saying that right. So I'm not really ready to talk about it, but either way, it's over. The semifinals have shaped up that Nate Wilby is facing off with Nicholas, and Deathloon FC is facing off with Minnesota's 11. From there, we're going to wrap this thing up and we can give it awards. I think at this point, we can probably give out the lowest award, but we need to figure out who actually played the whole year to give it. And then, uh, you know, Grant and I still need to figure out what we're going to give out. So that's coming. Best of luck to everyone who's in the playoffs. If you didn't make the playoffs, you can still pick your team. I think we're all in the Minnesota United League and we're all in the League League. So still plenty to play for. But the dummy run season has basically come to a close for most of us. All right, that's it. We're wrapping up. See, I told you. It wasn't bad. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with the full cast of all your favorite characters. Until then, go ahead.